It is one of the largest ethnic populations in Chicago, one that has contributed greatly to making Chicago the greatest city in the world. In this episode, we're discussing Chicago's Polish history. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. Jen Dobre, everyone. For many years, I heard people say Chicago has the largest Polish population outside of Warsaw, which seemed, dare I say, a little bonkers to me. I'll get to that in a bit. But first, in the fall of 1834, three years before Chicago was incorporated, a group of Polish exiles came to the area with plans of founding a new Poland in Illinois. These exiles were part of 235 Polish officers and soldiers who were deported to the U.S. by the Austrian government after the Russian-Polish War, also known as the November Insurrection of 1830-1831. The November Insurrection was a Polish rebellion set on overthrowing Russian rule in various Polish provinces, an effort which proved unsuccessful. The United States Congress voted to grant the exiles an entire township of land in either Illinois or Michigan, a committee of citizens in Illinois appealed to others in the state with these words. The patriotic feelings of the citizens of Illinois will never fail of being exemplified in practice and sincerity towards the descendants of those heroes who spent their blood and treasure in establishing our independence. Those exiles, encouraged by the kind words of Illinois residents, chose Illinois over Michigan. Efforts to establish a purely Polish colony in Illinois would not come to fruition for several reasons, the primary one being that the exiles were too poor. According to the book Poles of Chicago, 1837 and 1937, one of the first Polish emissaries who lived in Chicago in 1834 was Major Louis Klepicki, nephew of General John Klepicki, a hero of the Napoleonic Wars and a key figure in the November Insurrection. In the first mayoral election of Chicago in 1837, two polls cast their votes, both for William B. Ogden, who went on to win, becoming Chicago's first mayor. The 1850s saw an influx of Polish immigrants, including the arrival in 1852 of Dr. Jacob Sert, the first physician from Poland, Another early Polish physician, Dr. Edward Harwich, made Chicago his home in 1856. By the start of the Civil War in 1861, roughly 500 Poles lived in the city, which numbered close to 110,000. 200 Poles from Illinois, many of them from Chicago, served in the war fighting for the Union. One key figure in the Civil War and later the development of the Polish community here in Chicago was Peter Kielbasa, who was from a Polish peasant colony in Texas. While Kielbasa began his time in the war fighting for the Confederate Army, he was taken prisoner, then enlisted in the Union Army, rising to the rank of captain. After the war, he settled in Chicago, becoming a recognized leader of the growing Chicago-Polish community. Kielbasa helped organize the first Polish society of St. Stanislaus Costa, in 1864. The adjustment of moving to America was not an easy one for the Poles. According to a 1911 U.S. government study, 
81.5% of the Poles who arrived in America had been farmers or farm workers in their homeland. Here in the States, they were unskilled factory workers with very little soil they could call their own. Author Edward Kantowitz, who has written extensively on Chicago's Polish community, would say of those who came to Illinois, quote, The only way they could survive in this strange environment was by trying to recreate the Polish village with its familiar customs and habits on this side of the Atlantic, end quote. One way to create that community was through religion. As the mostly Catholic Polish population of Chicago needed a place of their own for worship, the first Polish parish, St. Stanislaus Costa Church at Noble and Bradley, was constructed in 1869. According to the St. Stan's Church website, the first church was a 40 by 50 foot wooden structure with a ground floor built for use as a school and meeting hall. The second floor church had seating for 1,000 people. The church also had a bell tower that rose 85 feet. It was from this bell tower that the St. Stan's priests watched in horror as the city burned in 1871. The Polish community suffered relatively few losses during the Great Chicago Fire, although accounts show that a number of Polish-owned buildings were lost. Tragically, a Mr. Majewski, who had emigrated to the U.S. in 1830, lost two children and three grandchildren in the conflagration. In the late 1800s, Chicago St. Stanislaus Costa became the largest parish in the United States, with 8,000 families and 40,000 members. The current church was designed by Patrick Keeley of Brooklyn, New York, who was also the architect of Chicago's Holy Name Cathedral. It was completed in 1881. Just three years after the completion of the original St. Stan's Church, Holy Trinity was founded in 1872, roughly a half mile away, to relieve overcrowding at St. Stan's. Many other Polish Catholic houses of worship would soon follow. With industrial development along the north branch of the Chicago River booming in the late 1860s and early 1870s, many workers employed by these factories settled in the West Town area. After the Great Chicago Fire, those interested in building less expensive wood frame houses, which were now outlawed within the established city fire limits, headed to West Town. The Division Street horse car line opened in 1886, offering public transportation to those in the area and just four years later expanded to provide service to downtown. In 1896, streetcars replaced those horse cars. Of the five original Polish settlements in Chicago, Westtown was the largest. On the second day of Chicago's World's Fair in May of 1893, guests were able to see renowned Polish pianist and composer Ignacy Jan Paderewski perform with the Exposition Orchestra. On Polish Day in October of that year, Polish Chicagoans celebrated their heritage with not one, but two parades. With the weather reportedly bright and beautiful, a parade of 25,000 Poles marched in downtown Chicago. The festivities continued at the fair's midway, where Mayor Carter Harrison addressed the crowd, saying in part, I was introduced to you as an American, but today I'm a Pole, and I am more of a Pole than I ever was before. Harrison went on to speak of the struggles of Poles under Russian rule, closing out his speech with, 
I want to help show the world that the polls in America are law-abiding, honorable, honest, and industrious American citizens. If the Stars and Stripes ever get into danger, I can pledge an army of 20,000 Poles who will fight for America. A second parade featuring 3,000 Polish Chicagoans marching on the Midway took place that afternoon. Local politician Peter Kobasa was the parade's Grand Marshal, where he presided over a procession that included 16 floats. The following years saw an influx of working-class Polish immigrants, and soon the commercial area around Division and Ashland became known as the Polish Downtown. By 1900, nearly 25,000 Polish immigrants, of the roughly 40,000 who resided in the city, lived within a half-mile radius of this intersection. While this area had the highest concentration of Chicago's Poles, there were other pockets in the city where one was sure to hear Polish being spoken on most sidewalks. At the beginning of the 20th century, the Lower West Side Pilsen neighborhood was heavily Polish, as well as areas near the Union Stockyards, such as the Back of the Yards, Bridgeport, and McKinley Park. As for how life was for Poles at the beginning of the 20th century, according to Father Andrew Greeley, the Roman Catholic scholar and author in the early 1900s, quote, The Poles had the worst jobs in the city and got the worst pay. They were the poorest of the poor. They had little else in life besides their religion. In the first two decades of this century, the population density of the 10 square blocks around the old St. Stan's Church on Pulaski Park was three times higher than Tokyo's or Calcutta's. The air was foul, the plumbing inadequate or non-existent, and even mild rain showers filled the basement apartments with raw sewage, frequently up to the knee level. End quote. This was at a time when indoor plumbing in poorer sections of the city was rare. For many homes, the toilets were outside under the vaulted sidewalks. Homes were heated by coal that was delivered into bins on the sides of buildings or stored alongside the street. Greeley would write that Chicago's Polish community built grand edifices like St. Stan's in the hope that, quote, the steeples of those cathedrals would bring back the memories of those that dominated the towns from which the immigrants had come. They strove to recreate the Polish community because there seemed to be no other way to preserve the faith. End quote. I mentioned the five heavily Polish areas of Chicago, but there were others that had a strong Polish makeup. According to the Encyclopedia of Chicago, Calumet City on Chicago's south side was one. Calumet City was founded in 1893 and consisted mainly of German Lutheran farmers. The 1900 population of 2,935 grew to 7,492 by 1920, and by then Poles outnumbered the Germans with Irish in third place. Poles in Calumet City had become such a political might in that community that a Polish-American was elected village president in 1900. Two years later, in 1902, one municipal party offered a slate made up completely of candidates with Polish names. U.S. immigration restrictions during the First World War and in the 1920s slowed the influx of foreigners looking for a better life pretty drastically. By the end of the 1920s, the number of Poles here was greater than 400,000. 
At the start of the 1930s, Polish immigrants and their children had replaced Germans as the largest ethnic group in Chicago. In the early 1930s, Polish Chicagoans helped elect Anton Cermak as mayor of the city. Poles in Chicago were also instrumental in helping get Richard J. Daley elected and re-elected and re-elected, as well as a handful of lesser political cronies, I mean city officials. Following World War II, Chicago experienced suburban sprawl, and Polish Americans made up a large part of the many families moving out to Chicago suburbs, most notably southwest suburbs such as Oak Lawn and Hickory Hills, western suburbs such as Berwyn and Lyons, and northwestern suburbs like Norwich and Schiller Park. Also, during the 1940s and 1950s, communist Poland clamped down on citizens' movements, so few were able to come to Chicago. The number of Polish in Chicago thinned without much chance of being replaced. The 1960s brought more alterations to Chicago's landscape and with it more change specifically to the Polish community with the construction of the Northwest Expressway, now known as the Kennedy Expressway. The path of this major artery through Chicago cut right through a major part of the Polish community, displacing many homes and businesses. According to Ron Grossman in a June 2022 piece for the Chicago Tribune, 4,433 families and 1,102 solitary dwellers were displaced when that expressway was built. Ironically, that expressway, the very thing that uprooted families, was the same thing that made it easier for Polish families to leave the city and move to the suburbs. For those Polish Americans who stayed in the city after many of their neighbors left for the suburbs, they saw these now empty homes next to theirs gradually rented and purchased by Hispanics and Black Americans. I discussed this topic in episode 623 of the podcast about the Division Street riots of 1966, so I'm going to go ahead and crib a little bit of my own work. In the 1960s, a push to clear the buildings along Clark Street between Division and North Avenue was conceived. LeClark, primarily a Puerto Rican enclave, was scheduled to be bulldozed in favor of new, expensive high-rises called Carl Sandburg Village. Ground for Carl Sandburg Village was broken on May 5, 1962. Many of the displaced residents of LeClark moved west to Humboldt Park. The Polish enclaves began to lose their identity. Those of you of a certain age likely remember the fall of 1979 when Pope John Paul II came to town. Boy, howdy, in just 37 hours between October 4th and October 6th, 1979, Pope John Paul took Chicago by storm. Media estimates claim that more than a million people turned out to watch the Pope's motorcade make its way from O'Hare International Airport to Holy Name Cathedral on the evening of October 4th. There he was greeted by Luciano Pavarotti singing Ave Maria. After dinner with Cardinal John Cody at the Cardinal's residence, Pope John Paul II made his way to St. Peter's in the Loop at 110 West Madison Street to address more than 1,000 religious brothers. 
The next morning, he was up at the Cardinal's residence and out the door before 7 a.m., traveling through the neighborhoods to Providence of God Church in Pilsen, where about 75,000 people stood in the early morning chill to greet the pontiff. From there, the Pope's motorcade continued through the south side to Five Holy Martyrs Parish at 44th and Richmond Streets, where John Paul II was scheduled to celebrate an 8 a.m. outdoor Mass in his native language for Polish Catholics. From the Mass, the Pope continued his journey through the neighborhoods of Chicago, arriving at Quigley Preparatory Seminary South at 77th and Western, now the site of St. Rita High School. There, he met with 350 American bishops and prayed with them. He also stepped out to the parking lot to meet with the nearly 1,200 young men who were in the seminary system at the time, then greeted thousands more Catholics who had gathered on the school's front lawn before taking off by helicopter to go back to the Cardinal's residence. His appearance at Quigley South also included a special greeting for the sick. That afternoon, Pope John Paul II held a 3 p.m. Mass in Grant Park, where an estimated 1.2 million crowded together to worship. That's rock star Pope stuff. The Polish community here in Chicago experienced another blow in March of 1980, when bankrupt Wisconsin Steel, based in the South Deering neighborhood on Chicago's southeast side, abruptly closed its doors, leaving many longtime Polish and other workers out of a job. More Polish families left Chicago in search of employment opportunities elsewhere. Here are a few Polish notables that have been recognized in permanent fashion here in the city. In 1977, Illinois designated the first Monday in March as Casimir Pulaski Day. The formal declaration was made in 1986, and schools were given the option of observing the holiday. Of course, this led to many in Illinois to shrug their shoulders and say, Who the heck is Pulaski? Now, even if you're not Polish, one Polish name most Chicagos are familiar with is Casimir Pulaski. After all, signs bearing his name can be found on the north-south street at 4000 West, roughly five miles west of State Street, that runs nearly 39 miles, give or take. It has been called Pulaski Road since 1934, a year after a group of Polish Chicagoans, the city's largest ethnic voting bloc at the time, urged Mayor Edward Kelly to rename the street as such. Kazimierz Pulaski was born in Warsaw, Poland. At age 15, he joined his father and other members of the Polish nobility in opposing the Russian and Prussian interference in Polish affairs. Outlawed by Russia for his actions, he traveled to Paris, where he met Benjamin Franklin, who convinced him to help with the American Revolution. Pulaski arrived in Philadelphia in 1777. At Brandywine, he came to the aid of George Washington's forces, distinguishing himself as a brilliant military tactician. Pulaski became known as the father of the American cavalry. Fun fact, according to Major Douglas Shores, author of Casimir Pulaski, General of Two Nations, Casimir Pulaski likely saved George Washington's life by stalling the British advance at the Battle of Brandywine. And that's why we acknowledge Pulaski Day here in Chicago. Although not from Chicago, another Polish name that can be seen around town is that of Tadusz Kosciuszko, 
a hero of the American Revolution. I won't spell his surname out for you, but I did read that George Washington reportedly misspelled Kostchushko's name 11 different times. Tadusz Kostchushko came to North America in 1776 and took part in the American Revolutionary War as a colonel in the Continental Army. As an accomplished military architect, his expertise in the design and construction of fortifications earned him a promotion to Brigadier General in 1783. Thomas Jefferson, the guy that helped write the Declaration of Independence and served as our third president, called Kosciuszko as pure a son of liberty as I have ever known. A park at Diversey and Pulaski was named for Kosciuszko in 1916, and that park's field house housed one of the first two Polish language schools in Chicago. The field house was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 2013. In the late 1880s, a group of Poles in Chicago set out to raise $30,000, that's nearly $1 million in today's value, for a monument to Kosciuszko, selecting Humboldt Park as the site for the sculpture due to the large Polish community nearby. I mentioned earlier the Polish pianist named Ignacy Paderewski, who performed at the World's Fair. He sent a $500 check, nearly $17,000 in today's money, from New York to aid in the funds needed for the monument. Pretty cool. The group eventually succeeded in having a bronze equestrian sculpture of Kosciuszko made. At the dedication of the monument in 1904, 50,000 people gathered in Humboldt Park, with ceremonies that included a parade, a choral performance, addresses by dignitaries, and the reading of a congratulatory letter from President Theodore Roosevelt. And because Chicago, in the mid-1970s, the Chicago Park District removed the statue to allow for an adjacent ball field to be enlarged. Mm-hmm. In 1978, the Polish National Alliance, Polish Roman Catholic Union, and Polish Women's Alliance sponsored the conservation and relocation of the monument to the newly renamed Solidarity Drive on Northerly Island, where it can be seen today, not far from another Polish monument we'll get to in a moment. By the year 2000, only 23% of Illinois' population of Polish Americans lived in Chicago, with 65% in the suburbs and 12% residing downstate. Today, the largest Polish community area is in Portage Park on the city's northwest side, bounded by Lawrence on the north, Belmont on the south, Sister on the east, and Nagel to the west, eh, give or take a street or two. The area called Dunning on the northwest side also has a large Polish population, as does Naperville in the western suburbs. Now, you'd figure with the large number of Poles in the Chicago area over the last roughly 190 years, there must be a Polish museum, right? Well, you'd be correct. Chicago is the home to the Polish Museum of America, one of the largest and oldest ethnic museums in the United States. Founded in 1935 and opened in 1937, the museum was originally called the Museum and Archives of the Polish Roman Catholic Union, of America. Fortunately, somebody thought to rename it at some point. The building is made up of three parts, the library, the archives, and the museum itself. The library contains over 100,000 books in both Polish and English on subjects such as Polish art, 
Music, Biographies, Genealogy, Immigration, and History. Portage Park is also home to the Copernicus Center near Lawrence and Milwaukee. In 1970, the city of Chicago presented the Polish community the opportunity to have a statue of Nicholas Copernicus, world-renowned Polish scientist and the father of modern astronomy, erected at the entrance to the Adler Planetarium. Copernicus, by the way, is credited with, quote, stopping the sun and starting the planets in motion in the minds of man, end quote. The goal was to have the statue of Copernicus in place to commemorate the 500th anniversary of Copernicus's birth. This project raised over $300,000 from individuals, corporations, and other organizations, and the statue was dedicated in 1973 at no cost to the city. It sits prominently in front of the Adler Planetarium. During this process, according to their website, the Copernicus Foundation was chartered as a nonprofit organization in July of 1971 to serve the metropolitan Chicago area as a major civic, cultural, educational, recreational, and entertainment resource. That foundation used excess funds raised for the statue as seed money for a permanent site in Chicago for a Polish cultural center, and in 1979 purchased the shuttered Gateway Theater. The exterior of the building was modified to resemble the historic Royal Castle in Warsaw, Poland. The Solidarity Tower at the Copernicus Center is a scale replica of the clock tower adorning the castle and can be seen from the Kennedy Expressway near the Lawrence Avenue exit. Although they don't show movies nearly as frequently as when it was the Gateway, the building is reportedly in use 48 weeks a year, including the annual Taste of Polonia, which has been going on since 1980. I spoke with Hubert Chermski, who is the chairman of the board of directors of the Copernicus Foundation, about their efforts and the Taste of Polonia earlier this week. Chermski's upbringing follows a familiar path for Polish Chicagoans, including growing up in the St. Hyacinth Parish. I asked Mr. Chermski about the focus of the organization. It's all about giving back. We are very lean and mean staffing, and it gives us the ability to give back. We're very heavily in the scholarship arena. We're starting to support some of the churches in the community with some scholarships for grade schools, which has never really been done. Most scholarship programs are based on high schools. We are also sponsoring uh, food pantries, vests uh, for the Ukraine's, uh, you know, bulletproof vests. We were very, we were one of the largest senders of those in the country as well. Uh, not, not to mention that we now open an office in Eastern Europe to be able to do student exchange programs, not only with Polish students, but with students from around the, the European continent. And as for what guests the Taste of Polonia should expect? Taste of Polonia is the largest ethnic festival probably in the nation. We should expect anywhere from thirty to 40,000 people over a four-day period. Very good cuisine from several areas of Poland and outside cuisine also, ethnic foods. But mostly what we're really known for is our stages of entertainment. The world stage bringing acts from Poland and other foreign countries, and then the tribute stage, which brings some of the better acts throughout the country as well. So it's nonstop entertainment from noon to 10, 11 every day. We have a kids' area on the kids' stage where there's kids' day activities. 
I highly encourage, and this is something that we really like to underline, uh, there, you know, there is parking in the neighborhood, but we are probably the best situated festival in the city when it comes to public transportation because we have the Metro, the Shell, and both expressways within a block of the facility. Also, what would he like people to think as they leave the event? Come support us. We give back to the communities throughout the city, not just the Polish community. We began with the Polish community. We still have a very big Polish presence. Very proud of that. However, we are now, we've become more of a community center for the city. We've hosted, you know, I think the last five U.S. presidents at the uh, building. And it's, uh, we're proud to say that people are coming to us as a go-to philanthropic organization in the city. We would really like to get some more city of Chicago support with our new mayor and new city council that's been established to make sure that they come out and take a look at us because we are a city organization, right? I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I had long heard Chicago has the largest Polish population outside of Warsaw. While that may have been true at one time, that is no longer the case. The state with the largest Polish population as of January 2023 is New York, with slightly more than 866,000 people who identify as Polish, which accounts for 4.44% of that state's population. Illinois comes in second, with 825,000 Poles, or 6.61% of our population. Now, if you want to do the numbers solely based on percentages of those who identify as Polish in a state's population, Illinois drops to number four, behind Wisconsin, Michigan, and Connecticut? As for U.S. cities, Chicago comes in second behind New York City, with about 3,000 fewer polls. listening to today's episode about Chicago's Polish history. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by me, Tommy Henry. Special thanks to Hubert Tromsky of the Copernicus Center and to the Chicago History Museum, whose exhibit, Back Home, Polish Chicago, proved invaluable in the creation of this episode. Back Home, Polish Chicago runs through June 2024 and is included with general admission. As always, if you have questions about anything covered today, anything to add or have an idea for a future episode, send me an email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. The original art for the Chicago History Podcast used on the social media pages was created by John K. Schneider. He says Johnny. He can be found at angeleyesartjks on Instagram or via email at angeleyesartjks at gmail.com. We'll be back soon with more stories from Chicago's history. Until then, get out and explore when possible. Check out the Taste of Polonia Labor Day weekend. Learn more about whatever city you live in. And please, stay safe.